Welcome to From Wrong to Right, where we explore the power of personal and spiritual growth, social impact, and human connection. Each week, I will bring you inspiring readings, compelling stories, and practical advice on how to live a more fulfilling and purpose-driven life in order to make a positive change in the world around you. Whether you're seeking enlightenment on your journey to empowerment or simply looking for a source of inspiration and connection, this podcast is here to assist you in writing your best life into being. Join us as we empower ourselves and each other to heal the world and uplift humanity. I'm your host, Odell Shetrubarsha Wiles Robinson L. Bay, the artist known as Egypt English, and I'm honored to be on this journey with you. Let's get started. Hello, 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 my beautiful loves, my great writers. We are back with our second episode of the season. And I am, let's say I'm super excited about this one because for a while I was very opposed to speaking on certain topics. Um, And um, coming off of our very first episode if you didn't check it it is our trailer for this season it's all about speaking your truth and something that I want to impart on you is to speak your truth and no matter what it is um refine it in a way that makes it like I said palatable or palatable to other people but also just in a way that is just true to you like your authenticity is what's going to um, draw people in and have them understand and comprehend that's a better word comprehend as well as relate to who you are um, and what you have to say to them um, and so like I said as we dive into this season and we dive into these new spaces and attacking certain um, oppositions as well as bringing in and embracing certain um new truths um as or not even new truths just truths that are new to you um embracing new mindsets and and just embracing each other because remember we're all about human connection like that's what this is all about right so i want to open this up because i did a little a lot and in reality i was supposed to just come right in and like read a little bit of a spill that um i had came together or brought together um, and so that's what I'm gonna do. So uh, let's let's jump into it. I'm gonna read a little bit of my notes for you for this episode because yes, this episode is very um, noty in a sense. It's um, got some scholarly points because it's all adding up to some real juiciness about our religion, our spirituality, and how we as a people can come together in all of our differences, all of our different cultures, all of our different ways, and really make an impact in this world. That is why you're here. That is what you need to be doing while you're here. Um, And let's get into it. So, let's go. Um, Okay, so in 1786, only 10 years after the 1776 signing of the Declaration of Independence, two religious powers, the Moroccan Empire and Muslim Power, and the United States of America's 13 colonies of the British colonial uh, era, a Christian power, entered into a treaty of peace and friendship, amity and commerce to stop the attacks led by Muslim Barbary pirates or corsairs and privateers on the United States commercial shipping in the Mediterranean Sea and along the coast of Spain and Portugal. I'm going to read an excerpt um, from the beginning um, of the actual treaty. It says, 
This is a treaty of peace and friendship established between us and the United States of America, which is confirmed and which we have ordered to be written in the book and sealed with our royal seal at the court of Morocco on the heaven on the 25th day of the blessed month of Shaban in the year of 1200. Trusting in God, it will remain permanent. The Moroccan-American Treaty of Peace and Friendship, 28th of June, 1786, the 25th of Shaban, uh, um, AH 1200. Um, so that is the opening um, of the treaty, right? Um, and that is the concept behind it. These two powers at the time, the Moroccan Empire, which is the Muslim power, and the U.S. 13 colonies, which is a Christian power at that time, just coming from up under um, English rule, um, and still in many ways, still attached to the crown, because if you look at some of your charters, um, for instance, I am currently um, at Maryland, and the Maryland Charter still holds true to the crown, um, to the queen, like the Constitution mentions it as well. Um, it, at any given time, you can always check my website, EgyptEnglish.com, um, and look at the show notes, and I will have all of the citations that I mention in this podcast. If you do not see a citation, of course, Google it can be your best friend, but you can also email me, um, and I will put those citations in for you. Um, so at that time, um, Christians and Muslims were very belligerent nations um, based off a lot of Christian um, conflicts, a lot of Muslim conflicts that were interchangeable, right? Um, and so these were, said, the Christian nations and the Muhammadan nations, right? Um, so something that ha was happening in the in 1493 ish so 1492 was the fall of granada um if you're not familiar that is when the um christian nations uh took over you know beat out the muslim nations right um and so this was in the area like granada spain and at that time um what is considered called the inca I'm going to say this, and I probably am going to butcher this, and it's it's okay. It's okay, right? <laughs> the Intercatera <laughs> um, was a papal bull, or almost like a pamphlet that is released by the Pope, um, and it was Pope Alexander the VI. Um, and on May the 4th of 1493, um, this granted the Catholic monarchs King Ferdinand II of Aragon and Queen Isabella I of Castile, all the lands in the West, right? Um, so the West was everything over here in North America, South America, and what we consider today Central America, which is technically the bottom half of North America, and all those outlining islands. So, you know, you got the Galapagos Islands, you got Guam, that's the island, right? Yeah, I think I got that right. You know, have Hawaii, um, I think. Um, uh, they're more out to the west. They're, they're failing me right now. Is it Maui? Not, I, I might have that wrong. Um, don't check me on that, but I will, I will, I will pull a map up and <laughs> I might even include a map in the show notes, right? So this is, this is what, you know, the Pope at the time, you know, being the power that had risen to the top, 
um, they were like, you know, you got it. This is your land now. You can go over here and you can do what you want. Um, however, that caused lots of conflict all over because the Mediterranean Sea is not in the North America area, right? So all of these things, all of these conflicts are happening. And what happens is there needs to be a truce, right? Um, I always like to think of a truce as like in, in um, like think about the savannah or think about a jungle or wherever there's a nice watering hole. Let's go with in the savannah or out just in a desert somewhere. You know, it's really hot, um, dry land. If there's ever a famine, right? And even just when there isn't a famine, the watering hole is that place where all animals come to it and they're like, you know, I know I don't rock with you, you know, you the tiger, you coming out here, you know, uh, with all the little animals, the the, the herbivores and things like that, you the big carnivore, or the lions coming out, and you know, you got the, the uh, giraffes and the uh, gazelles, uh, what else, the elephants, all of these, you know, all, all the big bosses are out, and the little bosses as well, and at the watering hole, there's a truce, there's, we all can drink because we all need water and no one runs the risk of being attacked at the watering hole now i didn't say on the riverbank <laughs> i didn't say anywhere else i said at the watering hole and typically this does happen a lot of times when there's a famine or when there's like water is not um, available for a really long time it's more so then but generally the watering hole is a safe space right for everyone so that is what basically happens you know the United States comes to, you know, the Moroccan Empire and they're like, y'all, look, listen, y'all, y'all, you know, Barbary pirates, y'all just keep running up on us, taking our stuff, taking our people, whatever, whatever, whatever. And don't, don't get it twisted, you know. Morocco had their thing too because Morocco comes in later on down the road and there as the treaty is being formed they have an addition where you know in the treaty they're like hey article 16 is like yo this treaty is going to compel you and us to release any slaves and prisoners of war and just prisoners in general um, within 12 months of captivity right so the treaty once again was like a truce, an emancipating act of exchange person for person, as well as their cargo and all of these things. Like you, like you can't just be holding us up in like this. And so that was how they moved forward. Um, so that being said, let's get into like the nitty gritty of what's really happening with this episode, right? So we're talking about two religiously belligerent powers right um and, but they're trusting in their own versions of the great divine right because we talk about unity a lot and um this is a little bit of a segue but i want to acknowledge this we talk about unity being the first law of the divine universe the the divine law of oneness right it's physics it's law it's whatever so when we talk about the divine um some people say you know god some people you know call it in science it would be like that energetic force that just creates everything right we're talking about oneness right so everything being part of one so it doesn't matter who you call god or what you call god or how many gods you call god the idea is everything is one 
I may have a certain perspective. You may have a per certain perspective. And we'll get to that a little bit more as we travel through this, 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 you know, this talk that we're having right now. However, what we're looking at at the moment is this idea of coming together, right? So you're coming together under the, the conversation of God. Because keep in mind, there are two powers at B. You have the Muslim side and you have the Christian side. And their treaty says, and I'm going to quote it. It says, give me a second, y'all. <laughs> Trusting in God, it will remain permanent. Didn't say trusting in our gods. It didn't say trusting in your God or my God. It said God right so that concept is unified god being the overarching theme that's going to keep this treaty permanent right all right so now let's talk about the fact that we are by the time we get to this treaty because i have a couple thought processes i want to get to right so why the freedom of religion exists and why it is crucial, a crucial, let me say like that, component to human connection. Um, so at the time of the treaty, the conversation was no longer a matter of converting Muslims um, or other faiths to Christianity, right? Um, as it was with, you know, Pope Alexander VI Papal Bull. Um, so when, during that time, you know, this was an expansion time when he wrote this, like, you know, uh, King Ferdinand, Queen, um, Isabella, y'all have the West. I want you to go out there. I want you to turn everybody into Christians or Catholics or whatever the case may be. Right. Because we also have to talk about like later on down the road in life, you know, Catholicism is a part of Christianity as well as all these different things, because a lot of the different charters were chartered under, under different religions. You know, like you had um, the Protestants, the Presbyterians. The, it was so. It was all different faiths up under the the banner of Christianity that chartered these, you know, different um, states like Virginia, Massachusetts Bay Colony, all of those. Keep just keep going. Um. So, nevertheless, at the time of the treaty, this was no longer the case. It was no longer about the conversion of faiths to Christianity. However, at this time, it was about um, being able to, how can we coexist despite our differences and past experiences to manifest peace and tranquility along on the seas, right? Like, how can, how can we do this so that I can get my money, I can get my cargo where I need my cargo, I can get my people, my passengers where they need to be, and we can make it home safely to our families, and we can be returned to our families so if we were captured or whatever the case may be, right? You know, it, it, in any of those forms. And this treaty was to extend not only to the sea, but also to the land, because, you know, after you get off the boat, you got off the land, and Barbary pirates were along our eastern and western coasts of the U U.S. So... Don't get it twisted, right? All of this is all connected. And we might dive into this a little bit more later. But the conversation at hand is simple. Like, how can we be at peace? How can we form this truce um, so that we, as these two belligerent powers, um, religious powers, 
not have this conflict, you know, for the rest of history. I mean, we're still in the aftermath of a lot of this, and we're still going through a lot of this this, this many years later. But we're here right now, and we're discussing it so that, you know, maybe it gets a little better. Um, so now, like, we're going to talk about, like, we're talking about how this is crucial and why this is crucial. Because what you see here is people converging on this truth, right? You're saying like, okay, we accept that this is what we need and we accept that we're no longer having to, we're not fighting the battle religiously anymore. We're coming together. We are going to, as a unit, make something happen that is almost in some sense unheard of, right? You know, these two powers going that are at their heads or butting heads saying like, y'all, we can't do this. This is not crucial. This is not logical for us. This is not beneficial for us. We need to do something different. And so as we're moving from this section to another section of life, I guess I don't like the word section, but as a, to another stage of life, the idea that I want to impart and I want us to have real discussions on um, is how do we do this and we now move to enlightening each other? So we're out of we're moving out of this phase of like let's be at let's not be at odds let's be let's be peaceful and let's let's kind of coexist in this world um, and and you know not have beef let's we not banking each other on the corner of the river like we not doing all these things let's now now let's build a world in which we are enlightening each other we are learning from each other. We are seeing each other's differences and being excited for that. Like, oh my God, y'all do this? Hmm, how about we try doing this while you do this and we see how good we can make this world, right? All right, so moving to that um, that concept, um, I had my own experience with this. Um, I was part of the 2020, I'm making sure I got this right because two of my dates be off. Um, I've been in the house for a long time, so I'm just back outside. So like dates actually matter now, <laughs> but, um, the 2020 alumni class of the ICJS, um, justice leaders, um, fellowship in Baltimore. So ICJS is the Islamic Christian Jewish studies. <laughs> oh my God. That right. Oh my God. That'd be a fail. <laughs> But it's an institute. So Institute for Islamic Christian Jewish Studies. There you go. I got it right. Yeah, I, I left out the institute part. Um, so nevertheless, I'm an alumni. And, and proudly so. Because what happened in that is we sat in uh, quite a few sessions um, for a whole year um, with, you know, Muslims, Christians, and Jews, right? Uh, and we studied and we learned from each other. And it was by far one of the most exciting things that I've done, and I did it alongside Frank, um, who is my husband, or my house binder, as a lot of you do know. Um, I did that alongside him, and it was the most, it was a very exhilarating experience. So shout out to our cohort, um, our fellowship. Um, they have a special place in my heart because we all were speaking to water justice, right? Like, something that seems so simple you know you go in your kitchen you turn on your faucet and boom out comes water right not everybody has that and in baltimore let's be honest um 
there are like the what is the nation's average of like particles per minute coming out of water y'all gonna hear me type in um i i didn't get this note before i got on here and i don't know if it's changed um particles per minute water the nation's average Ooh, i don't know if this is gonna get me what i'm looking for but like this is what i'm talking about y'all like this podcast is at this point where i really want us to learn and grow together because we that is where we need to be like we should not be in the same place as we were yesterday um yeah so i don't have that right off the bat but i know from where i moved living out in Anne Arundel county the uh water it was around about like 50 particles per minute coming out of the water so when we talk about particles per minute we're um we're literally talking about like what's in your water like whether it's like types of metal uh whether it's like rust iron like different things whether it's lead whatever is in your water um uh calcium all all certain types of particles right because water is h2o right that is that is it hydrogen um and uh, two hydrogen and one oxygen that makes up water so pure water is just h2o but we don't get pure water anymore because you have all these other things that are coming out of your pipe so think about it if your pipe is rusted then you're getting like that rust and things like that you're getting calcium you're getting trigger warning real quick you're getting bodies coming out your water because at this point your reservoir you don't know what's in the reservoir um I think it was E. coli just recently had to be flushed out of the actual uh, pipes in Baltimore into certain parts of Baltimore. So the reality is your water is like, mm, Baltimore water, 180 particles per minute. Come on now. Let's talk about it. So drink the bo- drink the water? Mm, bathe in the water? That's still a little sketch. Brush your teeth with the water? A little bit sketch. Um, so in this cohort, getting back on track, we um, we were talking about water justice. And from the perspective of as religious leaders in Baltimore, how can we better our world from Baltimore being our base for um, better water systems? What can be done? And it wasn't so much as us finding necessarily the solution in the room, but it was us having the conversation. And from a perspective of what does your religion say about water? What does my religion say about water? What do we do as a people when justice is not being served? Or what do we do when we can't seek justice, but someone else is in a position to inquire about it for us or speak to it for us or even bring it to us, present us with the idea? And so water justice was our our biggest conversation. And from a... um, uh, Abrahamic perspective because you know uh, Islam Christianity and uh, Judaism are Islamic uh, are, are <laughs> they are Abrahamic in their nature um, they all shared Abraham as a father in their religion so it it's it was very concise but we also had other personalities linked into that as well people who you know studied Buddhist Buddhism 
um, I, I feel like we had uh, someone in here in there that was like more like you know I'm kind of like not really either but I'm here because I want to learn and and they they were very much so agnostic I think the word is right let me make sure I have that right where you believe in God but you don't really have a religion um, I don't ever want to give y'all a definition that's wrong um, existence of so agnostic is a person who believes that nothing is known or can be known of the existence or nature of God or of anything beyond material phenomena. A person who claims neither faith nor disbelief in God. There you go. So that idea of being, you don't disbelieve and and you don't have, like your faith is not aligned with, yes, there's God. You just understand that you're here and you comprehend. I do believe we had someone who said that they were either borderline that or they had come out of that place. So I don't want to misspeak, but the idea is we had lots of people in there. And if y'all know me and a lot of y'all who actually listened um, for the long haul, like, you know, you were back there with my Monday train vibes, um, you know me. Like, I love religion. I love to study the in-depth of religion and spirituality because we're going to get to that conversation really quickly too like the idea of like just engulfing and learning from people right you're learning about things that you don't really like always know like and so something i want to acknowledge as i'm saying that out loud because like i, said, I do have notes over here and so we're talking but we're also like trying to stay on track as well um, so, like, getting back to, like, the social justice side of it or the water justice side of it, like, that was a ex an experience that I grew from, Frank grew from. We got to hear perspectives of other people, and we got to start defending each other. That was the magnificent part, right? Because I remember at one point we were doing the verses and different verses about justice in the, um, the, the, the Bible. And it was a part, and I wish I had my notes out with me. I was looking for them earlier this week, and I was like, oh, let me pull up everything. But I, I was like, you know, Spirit was like, get on here and do what you do. So y'all are getting this really raw. If you have any questions and you want me to maybe dive into this topic or talk to you more about my experience uh, with ICJS, I'm more than willing to do that. I would love to do that, and I will do it way more in depth um, than what I'm doing here. But one of my favorite experiences as we're all sitting around and if for those who do not know i grew up in the christian church i grew up baptist uh, my father is a deacon um ordained deacon all of those things so like my return i always say my return to islam is because my forefathers before us were islamic um and even like my mother's maternal father um practiced um he was of the jalagi or cherokee tribe or zalagi whichever way you want to pronounce it however whatever floats your boat in your dialect is fine um the idea of returning to those practices is something that i did personally and like so for me the experience of being in a space where there's all these perspectives that i love and that i study and that i want to be a part of was interesting because we started to defend each other after a certain time and like i said i remember there was a passage um and i want to say because when we read this the 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 scriptures there you go and um in the ayah about water just or not water justice it was just justice um in the bible or the septuaginta and as well as in the quran like 
it was interesting. Like, justice was a thing. Like, you could not do anything about justice. And when I say the, the Bible, I mean the Torah. When we're talking to the Torah's perspective in the beginning of the Bible, you know, in the Old Testament. Um, when we're speaking to that for Judaism and we're speaking to that from is to Islam, it's like justice was a, like, it was a thing. Like, there was no way that, you know, you were going to be in favor of, of Allah or Yahweh if you did not have justice if you if you did not fight for justice and do what you could for justice like <laughs> you were not in good graces like that was the concept right but then when you got to the Christian text um our Christian scholar chose a verse from Romans or a passage from Romans and I want to say was Paul and like I said I will correct myself in the show notes um if I need to that quite everybody people were questioning like hmm this doesn't really speak to justice this speaks to like something different it's like Paul is like basically saying you know vengeance is the Lord's and da 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 and he's like he's like real standoffish with this conversation of like justice is necessary and justice has to be had and stuff and I was sitting there um and I was contemplating and I'm thinking and I'm like wait 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 I know there has to be something in this because like I said I love religion and I love the context of religion when you read the fine print and I love when you read in between the lines and I love when you get outside of who's telling you what's being said and you actually hear what's being said and I remember I think I googled just to get a clarification of who he was talking to like who are you talking to and comes to find out that like I said, I want to say it's Paul, and if I'm wrong, somebody please correct me. But I'll look, like I said, I'll find it. But he, his letter that he was sending was not to his people. And it was not about what justice was. It was to the oppressor. And his, to the oppressor, he was speaking out saying, Ha ha, vengeance is the Lord's. So yes. You may do these things. And yes, you may have us at this foot. And yes, we may be submitting because we are under this oppression and we're doing this. But don't think you you are going to go without the karmic cycle coming back around to haunt you. So it was at that moment, like when we're having this discussion that everybody's like, oh, whoa, hold up. So he's not in a position and the people weren't in a position to rise up and take hold of justice or be in a position to fight back the way maybe at some point you are in the Islamic text that, text that was happening or the Jewish text that was happening. But in this case, he said, don't for a minute think that this is not going to come back on you. Do not for a minute think that my God is not going to show up and show out and it's going to happen in a way that you least expect it. Like it's this concept because you think we're docile, you think we're down, you think we're out, but I promise you, you can look around and find out, right? So who said this was about to be peachy? <laughs> Nobody. Um, so at the end of the day, like it was a moment for us. 
Like, we really had a chance to see each other in a different light and understand and comprehend our religions in a different light. And just because I'm speaking from an Abrahamic standpoint, don't get it twisted. Shorty loves Buddhism. I love listening, reading, like, the Tati Jin um, or Dijin, whichever way you pronounce it. I'm a country, so y'all know the deal. Um, I love just engulfing myself. And, of course, y'all know my mother's be <laughs> So... <laughs> I, I'm, I'm definitely very spiritual in certain natures. Y'all know I read tarot. You know, I'm a root worker at heart. All of these things. Uh, I'm a scribe, so those things happen as well. Y'all see my hands doing what they're doing if you're watching the video replay um, or the recording. Um, I love my Santeria. I love my Condomble. I love my Hoodoo. I love my Voodoo. Um, Shinto. If you just name it, and I'm here for it. Like, um, Jainism, Rastafarism, y'all hear the accents coming out, <laughs> like, it is what it is, I don't care, like, I love your religious practice as well as your spiritual practice if you are doing it in order to refine yourself and move forward, and let's talk about that real quick, before we move on into, like, basically, like, the last part of this, right, so, that's that, um, let's talk about religion and spirituality, can we holler at that for a minute? So for everybody in the back, let's, let's, let's talk about that for a moment. You have your religious side, right? And I think people have a tendency to mistake one for the other and think they're one and the same. They are not. And if you never had anybody tell you this, I will be the first to say they are not the same. You know? Um, religion is your practice. Religion is what you subscribe to in terms of your creed and how you follow and how you worship. That is what religion is. And you can argue with me about this and that's fine. I like a good debate, but let's keep it 100. Your religious practices are the things you do to create a discipline within you, right? So for Muslims, you pray five times a day or some do, some do. Like, don't, let's not get it twisted. Everybody, just because we all up under the same hat or the same belt, does not mean we all do the same things. And nor did any person's good book say you had to do the walk the walk the same way as somebody else. Let's keep it real. Um, a lot of hadith, especially um, from uh, Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, as always, uh, let you know, like, you know, your religious walk, Yes, there are things that you should do as a unit. There are things that you should focus on and work to be more disciplined about. But it's really about your heart. Every good book talks about your heart and the love and the things that you can do and following in that path of love and light. So let's not get it twisted. Just had to say that. But religiously, it's your practices, right? Um, you go to church on Sundays or maybe Saturday on the Sabbath. You go to mosque on Fridays. You go to synagogue, I think, on Saturdays. Don't, If I'm wrong, correct me. Please correct me. Um, all of these different things are religious practices. If you are a, if you're a root worker or you are someone who keeps your altar, you might light your candles a certain way at a certain time of day. You may, um, meditate or pray or, uh, what's other things that we do? Um, you know, for me, as <laughs> I had to look at my altar, I'm like, I, I always like leave like special notes and special cards if somebody passes in my family and things like that. 
um, or in my extended family and I they had a special impact on me there something of theirs goes on my altar so for a certain time frame or forever like however that goes like there are different practices that I have and these practices build a discipline right you leave offerings for your 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 veneration of your ancestors or whatever have you right some people in voodoo they may use blood offerings and things like that for their own things everybody's practices are different right um as a unit in a religion you may have similar practices as certain people but individually your practices are different your religious practices that's the definition i want to get across to you impart to you you can google it for your own your own things um now let's talk about spirituality this is why i say there's a difference because Y'all ever heard the saying, like, if you grew up in the church, then you already know I'm going with this. You know, you got that mama or that father that's always um, praying, praying, praying. So they say, or hooping and hollering every Sunday, shouting every Sunday. Uh, uh, the the All of the, you know, the, the hallelujahs and holy and thou and the duh, and here's the water and the fainting and the falling out and all. Of, the show is immaculate, right? Um, or you may... You know, from the Muslim perspective, like I don't know as many practices about um, the Jewish way of practicing, so I can't speak to that completely. Um, but I know, like, you know, you have for us, like, you might make dua, you may, you know, have the prayers. Um, it, it, it could be Ramadan or whatever ever the case may be, but you have people who do all of these things, but their heart isn't in the right place right so spiritually you're you're not where you need to be because your spiritual walk is a reflection of well correction let me let me make that make sense let me make sure i'm saying this right before i say it out loud so your spiritual walk is a reflection of the disciplines that you have so your religious practices right but that is not always the case because just because it looks good doesn't mean on the inside it's good, right? Just because you look like a good Christian or a Muslim or a good um, Jew or a good um, Rastafarian or a good uh, uh, voodoo priestess does not mean you are walking in the ways in which you should be walking, right? Talking in the ways that you should be talking, venerating your ancestors in the ways that you should be venerating them, uh, worshiping in the way that you should be worshiping them, or for the reason in which you should, right? Your spiritual walk is the walk in which you are trying to obtain refinement. That's what I needed to say. So you're trying to produce discipline when you are religiously doing things. When you are spiritually in a space and you're spiritually moving through that space, you are attaining the refinement of your soul and of your spirit, right? Like you are, you're, it's this two things because discipline doesn't necessarily always mean you are spiritually aligning yourself. You could just be going through the works. You could have just made it a routine of praying five times a day. But if every time you kneel down to pray, you thinking about something else you want to do that day, you praying about 
Lord, help me get to where I need to be. Da 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 da. da. Allah, bring this to me. Whatever, whatever. Um, shoot, a good net, a Vishnu, good net, whoever you praying to, you praying to them to bring you this and do this and do this. But in real life, you're thinking about man. I wish I didn't have to pray right now. Man, I wish I didn't have to make dua. Man, I wish I didn't have to. Uh, to uh, I can't wait till Ramadan is over so I can eat. Like, if that is where your heart is aligned, then I'm not the judge because the divine is the judge. But what I will say is spiritually, I feel like you're in a space that you're not going to grow from. Religiously, it looks great. But spiritually, not so much. So I just wanted to take this time to, like, make that segue into, like, the next part of what, <laughs> what I needed to say. Like, because um. Like I said, I'm not holding my peace anymore. I'm, I'm, I'm releasing that peace, right? Um, and I say that in all forms of the word, whether we're talking P-I-E-C-E or P-E-A-C-E. There's no more holding on to that peace. I need to give some away. Um, and and I, I have a pet peeve within myself and with others when I find us doing religious things, like things religiously, but we're not growing. And I say that wholeheartedly within myself and with others. If you are religiously moving through life, but you are not growing, then why are you here? That's it. Like, why are you here? Like, what are you doing? Like, there is no reason for you to be even, like, you're taking up space and not in a good way. Let's be honest. And I would tell myself that wholeheartedly. Uh, shorty, you taking up space and it's not in a good way. You are literally in the way. <laughs> so, okay. So I said all that and this leads me to the, basically the end all be all, the, the, the hurrah of why all of this is so important to me at least and maybe to you. And if you are aligned with this podcast, then it's already important to you in some form or fashion. And it's just your duty now to take what I'm saying and sift it like wheat so that you can move through your own space in the way that you need to, to bring peace and love and joy and all of this truth and like freedom and justice back to the world around you. Right. Let me take a swig of this water. So why are we doing all this? Why is the freedom of religion so crucial and a part of, of our human connection? Uh, how do we, when we take all of this enlightenment and we learn from each other, we're coexisting together, but we're also learning from each other and we're moving through life and picking apart. Because I think I said this in the first episode, I love all religions because every time I study something, I refine myself. I needed something from every single religion that I study or I'm still studying, whether it be a religious practice in like, you know, theology or some form, or whether it's a spiritual practice or whether it's a scientific practice, because yes, your girl loves herself some science. Like, um, whatever have you, I am always studying those moments because it's a refinement moment. My soul is craving something that I need to hear, see, or do, right? And so why are we doing all this? The only answer I will ever give you is for a more compassionate, loving, and service-based world, right? It's not so that, you know, we can live this heaven on earth. That is the goal, 
but that is not the journey like the journey is to get to compassion the journey is to get to a service-based world a journey towards love and unity and where we can all be and just live and thrive like come on now let's 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 talk a little bit more about it like that is our goal right to that that is the that is the purpose let's say that the journey to all of that is the purpose once you accomplish that purpose heaven on earth shows up nirvana is here jana is peace and love and paradise right here i am one of those people who say don't try your hardest to get to heaven off in the atmosphere try your hardest to get to heaven on earth so when we're moving through this light the idea is every religion and spirituality i've ever studied speaks to love compassion and unity in some form in some form and by any means necessary sometimes we have to accomplish that that's a conversation for another day nevertheless love in the most merciful and graceful form is ideal <laughs> um so now like like look at it from that perspective like compassion being able to see and feel and and have empathy for people and and understand that your circumstance is this way and i want to help you change it no different than when we sat in the the uh water justice as a uh, cohort as a as a unit we all felt the problems we all had issues with water being unobtainable for certain people for children having to um oh man i don't have the book here but we we read a book and it's a specific book and once again i will have it in my show notes <laughs> y'all i'm gonna be better prepared next time <laughs> maybe i'm gonna try um but it was about the flint water crisis and the and the doctor um at the time i'm gonna see if i can pull it up while i'm uh talking but she was talking about um the fact that she felt so bad because she was she was under the impression that the water wasn't that bad and she's telling mothers because she was like a pediatric doctor that it was okay to use formula water in the formula because you know they didn't she they weren't nursing or they didn't have the ability to nurse cuz they had to get back to work and stuff like that but the water was actually that bad worse than that bad and so reading that book together and and talking about the points but just talking about Baltimore in and of itself and how you know you is terrible to drink the water and and there are issues with the water and you don't know what you're getting and knowing that people have to because they can't afford to get bottled water. They can't afford alkaline water. They can't afford a $1,000 filter for their house that actually works and all of these carbon things or whatever. All of us empathize. And all of us question, how is there a solution? Like, what solution is there? Can there be a solution? Can it be fixed? Can it be fixed in my lifetime, my child's lifetime? Is somebody going to pay for this? Can we work together to pay for this? How can we in our spaces individually work towards a better water world, right? So we're having these conversations and a lot of what is happening is we're looking towards, um, yes, hold up, I think I have the book. Give me a second. 
um because it won't a whole lot of extra money to be going to nobody's supermarket so you had to like you had to make sure your your animals were set and you were set in your house you had to have bath water in the house all of these things you had to fill up the water tank so that you had water when it when you couldn't go to the spring and all of these things so for me growing up with those stories and that understanding and being able to go see these things and walk the land and know how far that process was water was life water is life right to learn that water was the beginning of everything water was there with quote-unquote god or yahweh um when when in the jewish text the conversations of when there was water there was god and when god there was water before everything else to learn that expression lets you know that this is a crucial part of our existence. And so to be in a room with a bunch of people who understand and comprehend, it is not right for water to not be uh, prioritized. The cleanliness of water to not be prioritized. The access to water to not be prioritized is an amazing thing because now you have, you know, 30-something, 50-something people aligning under this energy of water should be available and useful for everybody everyone's child is magnificent because the energy shifts in the room but the energy shifts all over the globe just from that agreement what is it in uh i think it's it's, it's in the bible where it says when two or three agree you know like god is in the midst so where no matter where you are on the map when you agree with someone in favor of good no different than when you agree with someone in favor of bad but in the favor of good the divine takes over and what you don't see is the magnificent magical part about it that is the beautifying part about it the things that are happening just because you agree that something needs to change in the world to make it a better place stars align that's all i'm gonna say on that um so the idea of love and compassion and unity in some form being a steeple throughout every religion that is good and that is love um, are instrumental in creating a better world. That really just goes without saying and instrumental in creating a better human experience, right? If we could all just start with love and we can all move in the light of love. It doesn't matter how much money you have. It doesn't matter how much pull you have. If you could just walk out your door and smile at somebody, the world might be a better place. Um, probably will be a better place because energy speaks, right? And so that idea of like saying love, compassion, unity, and truth, and freedom, and justice, and, and whatever have you that means not oppressed in any form or fashion, but free, to live and be is necessary, right? That is how we create a new world, right? And I say that to basically, you know, end off on this note, right? Um, when we lead with the highest faculties of ourselves, of our spirit, of our spiritual practices, and we commit that to uplifting each other, um, despite our differences and creating a space for each other, each person, uh, each persona or each persona, um, 
to live and thrive. The world is better for it. It's all about leading with the highest faculties of ourselves. And what's higher than love? I'm waiting. <laughs> like, really, what's higher than love, right? So, as I end this out, I'm just going to say to you, like, despite your bigger differences, leave with love. Despite the issues that stand in your way, lead with love. And when love takes flight in whatever way it does, by any means necessary, it is going to prevail. And I say that wholeheartedly because love doesn't always look the way we want it to look. Love can build, but love can also destroy. And when love destroys righteously so and for the right reasons, it's always going to plant a seed of something new that gives birth to something beautiful, right? Run that back if you need to hear that again because love will always plant a seed of something beautiful and something necessary and something that will help the world grow. There's never going to be a time when love destroys, righteously so. And when I say, I don't know why I'm prefacing that with righteously so or, you know, coming after because love, true, genuine love is never wrong. Energetically, it cannot be. It's not possible. There are a lot of things we call love that are not necessarily love. And so when it destroys, we like, oh man, everything's wrecked. But genuine love, genuine love is always going to plant seeds of good and righteousness and joy and happiness and growth. And so I say lead with love. No matter where you are on the map, no matter what creed you fall up under, lead with love. And everything under that. It's literally water under the bridge and it's going to sweep away anything negative. I love you. I love you. I love you. My Yandesteka, Boani, Shatam, Tayamo, Isaru, Uhabu. Did I say Boani? I always, I always forget when I said something. <laughs> Nevertheless, I love you in all the ways that I can say I love you and it's always going to be that way. Um, thank you so much for tuning in. Thank you so much for being a part of the tribe. Um, as of right now, um, follow me on Egypt English Ether. You can also follow me at Egypt English. Um, you can follow the podcast at From Wrong to Right. Um, we're trying to kick that off um, as well. Um, yeah, if you ever have any questions and you want answers, hit me up on my uh, website, EgyptEnglish.com. You can also sign up for our mailing list our first mailing uh went out today i'm a little stoked because it's been a long time um later uh this month maybe next week i'm not sure yet but i will be releasing the first issue um or the first volume of uh the big boss masters um intentional branding um is something i have been focused on for quite some time now um, and I've been really wanting to get out, but it just, the timing wasn't right. Um, and what that is, is helping you build your brand intentionally, not with all the hoops and hollers and all these different things. Um, it's not, it's a workbook. Um, you can download it, you can print it out, you can go through it yourself. It's not to, to make anything difficult. It's literally for you to hash out what you're thinking. Because a big part of branding is about knowing your story. 
and understanding how that story affects you, but it also or reflects you, but also can affect other people, right? And how it can move them to do what you need them to do so that we all grow, right? Um, as well as moving yourself in, in a, a space where you can be your most productive self and you can see yourself for who you are. Um, and I talk a lot about me starting my uh, businesses um, and my entrepreneurship ventures without a whole lot of followers, without a whole lot of like, you know, hoopla in the background. And that is something that I wanted to get across to a lot of people because everybody I know is all like, you know, I'm, um, I'm doing this, but I don't really have a big following and all of these different things. And, and I'm like, you don't need all that, honey. You do not need all that to get your business started. You just need the vision. And if you have your vision, you can go forth and conquer. So, um, yeah, so that'll be out later this week if that's something. Or I said later this week, so I'm, I'm just going to go with that because I, I need to get it out and I just need to stop holding on to it. That perfectionist thing is kicking in. That's going to be an episode for another day. But, um, yeah, so stay tuned. Like I said, join the mailing list. You can do that on the website. You can follow me at Egypt Egypt. Egypt English Ether. Ether is my blog, by the way. Uh, you can also follow the podcast at From Wrong to Right on Instagram, as well as on Facebook. Haven't really did a lot on Facebook yet, but we're going to get there. Um, what else is there that I need to tell y'all before I get off of here? You know, that last minute is like, oh, let me talk. Um, those are, yeah, those are the things. Those are really the things. And if there's anything else I think of, I will attach it at the end of this podcast episode. Like I said, I love you all. Mighty on the staker. It has been real. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening. I love you. Thank you for tuning in to From Wrong to Right, the podcast. I hope that today's episode has inspired you to take more control of your own journey towards personal growth and empowerment. Remember, you have the power to write your best life into reality and manifest positive change in your life and the world around you. We'll be back next week with another episode guided by spirit. So be sure to subscribe and join us on our journey towards a more empowered and equitable world. Thank you for your heart and ears. And until next time, keep empowering yourself. I love you. Mayanda Steka.